All right. Well, if you have your Bible, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians 5. And before we, we get into the baptism, I want to share a word that's, you know, just for everyone. And, you know, we always, uh, well, I say always, I try to stick with the theme when I, I preach during baptism of, of what's going on here. But um, I, I want to read a couple of verses from 2 Corinthians 5, and, and then we're going we're gonna to get into the word and tie it into baptism, and then we're going to dunk some folks. Amen? 2 Corinthians 5.14 says this, Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we, we have all died to our old life. Now, if you drop down to verse 17, it says this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. That's good news right there, right? Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you that we don't have to live according to our old life anymore. That, Lord, those of us that belong to you that are in Christ Jesus, Lord, a new life has begun. Just as this morning we woke up, a new day has begun. And, Lord, willing, tomorrow we have a brand new day. We have a clean sweep. You said your mercies are brand new every morning because you've given us new life, Lord. I pray as we read your word that you would just encourage us, equip us, strengthen us, challenge us, convict us to continue, Lord, God, to live in this new life and leave the old life behind. Holy Spirit, help me speak to me and through me and speak to everyone here tonight. Give us the grace to live it out and apply it to our lives every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. These verses make it clear in 2 Corinthians that once we believe and receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are brand new people. Amen? That's the, that's the name of the message tonight. A brand, a, a, a brand new you. A brand new, isn't it nice to get something brand new? Isn't it nice, to, to, especially if you ever had a brand new car, that new car smell, right? There's nothing like that new car smell, right? You know, it's nice to have something brand new, but all those things eventually are going to wear out and become old again. It's nice to know that our brand new life, that never wears out. Matter of fact, when this old life wears out, we start a whole new life that will never end, right? So this brand new is the beginning of something that's going to last for eternity. So tonight I want to look at how God transformed a few men into new men. I believe the Lord wants to, to, to make some things new in your life and in my life as well. So by using a few stories, a few men from the Bible, I want to look at some of the thing, some of the things that the Lord wants to do both in you and in me. First thing is the Lord wants to give us a new character and identity. New character and identity. As I was just praying about the fruits of the Spirit, that's basically what that is. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Those are, those are things that begin to change our character. Look with me in Genesis 32, verses 20 through, 22 through 28. I'm going to read. If you have your phone, your iPad, your Bible, or it's going to be up here. So I'm going to just go ahead and read it for time's sake tonight. Genesis 32 says this, verse 22. During the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives his two servant wives and his 11 sons and crossed the Jabbok River with them. After taking them to the other side, he sent all sent over all his possessions. This left Jacob all alone in the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of the, its socket. Then he, the man said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. For now on you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and men and have won. 
The word Jacob sounds like the Hebrew word that means deceiver. And Israel sounds like the word that means God fights. You see, the Lord's question to Jacob, what is your name, was about Joseph's character. It really wasn't about his identity to start with. It was about his character. By giving him his name, Jacob confessed his nature and his way of doing things as a deceiver. So when God said, hey, what's your name? He was basically asking about his character. And he said, my name is Jacob, which means deceiver or trickster. And there's a couple of examples, if you read earlier in Genesis, about how he deceived and he tricked his brother Esau. He tricked him into getting his birthright. Or really, you know, Esau forfeited when he came back from hunting and was hungry. And he said, hey, you know, Jacob was cooking some stew. He said, man, give me some of that stew. I'm starving. He said, I'll give you some. Betrayed me your birthright. And so just, you know, of course, Esau shouldn't have forfeited that from a bowl of soup, but but as Jacob, he shouldn't, he shouldn't have had the heart to want to steal his brother's birthright, right? And then later on, whenever his dad was dying, he stole his brother's blessing. Now this was totally, it was, it was fed by his mother, but he totally tricked him. Esau was a hairy guy, was an outdoorsman, liked to hunt. And so he dressed up like his brother. He, his mom told him, hey, go get a goat outside and, and slaughter it because Jacob and Esau's dad told Esau, hey, go out and hunt. Give me some wild game, cook it for me. When you come back after I've eaten, I'm going to give you the firstborn blessing. Well, when his mom heard that, he, she encouraged Jacob to go and trick his father. And he did. He put on some fur of the goat they killed, served him as food. And his dad blessed Jacob instead of Esau. He tricked his dad into giving him. And his dad even said that, you tricked me. And so before God would bless him, he had to acknowledge who he was. And then God would change his identity. See, that was in his character, but also now he was carrying it as part of his identity. You're a trickster. So question, what is your name? And I don't mean your given name that's on your birth certificate. See, his name was liar, trickster, deceiver. Maybe you can relate to some of these things that you've been called or maybe things you've called yourself. Maybe it's sinner, failure, forgotten, condemned. What are some of the names you've heard and that you've carried through all your life? Or maybe that you, you, you've called yourself or maybe that you've heard the enemy whisper. Listen, we must confess and things that we know what we've done. We must confess our nature and acknowledge who we are so God can transform us and bless us. So see, some of the things that maybe people have put labels on you that you are not, but you begin to live those things out. Maybe some of those things you know that you're doing. We must confess that who we are so God can transform us. We must do this because as so many of us, so many of us let our flawed character become our identity. So let me say that again. If you let your, your character issues, which are sin, those things that are flawed, that are messed up in you, if you continue to live that out, it'll go from just a character issue to your identity. No longer to this is what I do to this is who I am. And that's why we need to confess. The Bible says in the first time, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, some of you have might formed, have maybe have formed an identity of what people have spoken over you. Like, so may, one, it might be a sin that you are willingly doing or have been doing knowing it was sin. But it may, it may be something that just someone has spoken over you all of your life. See, remember, they named him Jacob. And it was from his birth. It was something that happened at birth. So you got to think, first of all, as a side note, there is power in a name. So for you younger people out here that are still planning on having children, 
Be careful what you name your child. There's power in the name. Every time they said Jacob, they were saying deceiver and tricks are over him. And I look, I have a personal, and I, I've shared this before, uh, about the power of a name. This is just a side note. My firstborn, my son, Joah, his name means secure in God, his father. When he was just a little baby and we were, and some of y'all probably heard this story, so forgive me if you have. And we were still, I was, I wasn't even on staff here. I was helping as a volunteer working with the youth and the, the youth used to be in that white tent that was right there before we tore it down and built the big building. And there was a guy that came out and said, man, how's Joe doing? How's the baby? And he was real young. He was under a year old. I said, man, he's doing great. He's doing awesome. And, you know, as a proud father, you know, it's just, I'm, I'm, you know, my first child, my first son. I said, man, he's, he's doing awesome. He's so cute. And I said, man, you know, it's, it's so cool when he sleeps, he sleeps with his, with his hands behind his head like this. And he said, really? And the guy I was talking to said, man, I just read an article. I heard something on the news that said whenever children sleep with their hands behind their head like that, it means that they're very secure. I said, man, that's amazing. Joah's name means secure. So I witnessed that firsthand. Every time we say Joah, we're saying God is father and secure. And so all of our children, all of our names, we looked at the meaning of their names. Bella, our youngest, means, of course, beautiful. You know that in Spanish and Latin. But in Hebrew, Bella means devoted to God. So every time we say Bella, we're, we're, we're proclaiming that she's devoted to God. Amen. So there's power in the name. I just want to encourage you. Be careful what you name your children. And look, if you named your child something that you didn't know or is crazy now, I believe that God is the God of redemption. and He can redeem that. Amen. You can prophetically give them a new meaning to their name. Amen. So that's just a little side note. I, I want to say this. You are not the sum of your mistakes. You are not the sum of your mistakes. This is not your identity. Don't let your past mistakes or current struggles Try to uh, cement your identity. It's not who you are. You are a child of the Most High God. If you've accepted Christ, the Bible says in Galatians 3.26, for you are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Now we've said this, me and Pastor Kelly was talking about this today. We're, not everybody is a child of God. Everybody's God's creation. Every, every human was created in the image of God, but the Bible makes it clear. You can read 1 John 3, through, through chapters 3, 4, and 5. I've, I've been reading through that again. makes it very clear. Those of us that have been born again are called children of God. God adopts us in, so we are his children. So that's your, Tanya talked about that Sunday. You remember she said, our part of our inheritance is that we are a child of God. We're heirs. We're adopted in. Now we're heirs. And a big thing, that one of the main things is that we are children of God. That's your identity. Don't forget that. Not what you've done, not what you haven't done. It's the fact that you are a child of God. Again, it don't matter how much, how many mistakes my four children make, there's nothing that they can do that can make them no longer my children. Right? And you know that. Parents, grandparents, Right? There's nothing, now you, you might get frustrated with them. You might ask the question like, man, whose child is that? Some of y'all probably ask that, right? You know, or you know, like you do sometimes just joke with me and my wife, like, that's your son, you know, or that's your, you know, right? You know, they're, they're yours whenever they do something good, they're your spouse's when they do something bad, right? And we joke like that, but the truth of the matter is we know and I, there's nothing my children could do that would make them not my children. How much more a perfect eternal father? There's nothing we can do. That's your identity. As, as, as Ms. Tanya said, your identity and your inheritance is as a child of God. So as a new person, all things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You must remember that God's working a new character in us, and we have a new identity. Amen? Number two, which piggybacks off of that, is I, I want you to get a new view of your potential. A new view of your potential. 
John 1, 40 through 42 says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. Simon is well known in the Gospels, not for his courage and faith, but for his failings. Jesus named him Cephas or Peter, which means rock, referring to the great church leader he would later become. Let's look at some examples real quick of Peter's failings. He rebuked the Lord. He cut off a guard's ear. He denied the Lord three times. He ran out on the Lord and he went back fishing after Jesus was crucified. Now, ain't nothing wrong with going fishing. How many of y'all like to fish? But the reason he went back fishing was because he didn't think that he had any more potential after his shortcomings. He thought after failing the Lord all these times, there's no way that the Lord is going to want to use me. The Lord died. He thought it was all over. I'm going to go back doing what I know to do. But you know what? The Lord still saw the potential in Peter. Look at what the angel told the women who had uh, went looking for Jesus at his tomb. After the resurrection, Jesus died, was buried, was resurrected. Some of the women went and looked for Jesus. They couldn't find him. An angel was there. It's like, hey, who's you, who are you looking for? Why are you looking for the, the living amongst the dead? Look at Mark 16, 7, what it says. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. I love that. The angel specifically named Peter because he knew Peter would feel inadequate after all his mess ups. See, the Lord knew where Peter was and Peter thought, I'm done after everything I've done. I, there ain't no way that the Lord's going to want to call me. He's going to call the others. But that's amazing. He said, go call the disciples, including you, Peter. You come on, brother. God's not done with you yet. The Lord still saw when he named him Peter a rock. He knew all the mess ups. He, let me encourage you. When the Lord called us, saved us and called us, he, and, and, and gave us a divine destiny, you think he knew all the mess ups we do? Absolutely. The Lord knows everything. He sees everything. He's outside of time and space. He knew. Sometimes I'm like, oh, Lord, I messed up again. I can't, I can't be up here on this stage. I can't be. Then it hits me like, the Lord knew all the times I'd mess up. And yet he still calls us. Why? Because he sees the potential in us. There may be some of you in here tonight that feel that way. But listen. You still have potential, and the Lord wants you to see it. The Lord wants you to see the potential in you. Because God has the amazing ability to call out on you and pull out on you something you don't even see yourself. Matter of fact, check this out. When, when, when the Lord told Samuel that he was going to put another king over Israel, he said he was going to get a man after God's own heart. So Samuel went to the house of Jesse to look for this man after God's own heart. And you know why Samuel had such a hard time trying to find him? He went through all of Jesse's sons and couldn't find him. He said, you don't have any other sons? And Jesse's like, yeah, we got this other one more boy in the field. He said, well, call him. Samuel had a hard time finding David because God told him he would be a man after his own heart. But when Saul went looking for Samuel went looking for him, David was still only a boy. He was only a teenager. You see, but God saw the man that David would become. He saw the man that David would, that, that God would produce out of David. And that's why he called him a man after his own heart long before he was a man. So he calls you what you are long before you are that or you even see that. 
So as a new creation in Christ Jesus, I want to show you and want to encourage you to see the potential. Allow the Lord and other people to speak into your life. When people say, man, you're a mighty woman of God. You're a mighty man of God. He's like, no, man, you don't know what I did last night. Hey, listen, I understand. But still, just as Gideon's another example. I'm just thinking of another. What He's hiding, scared in the wine press, threshing out wheat in the wine press. He was hiding in the wrong place. And the angel comes to him and says what? Man, you scaredy cat. You wimped. Why are you hiding here? Is that what the angel told him? No, the angel said, mighty man of valor. When he was hiding and scared, the Lord said, you're a mighty man of valor. Some translations say, great man of courage. See, the Lord saw the potential in Gideon when he didn't even see it in himself. So I want to encourage you. You have potential inside of you. No matter where you're at, what you've done, what you're going through, you have great potential And the Lord wants to unlock it and pull it out of you to do great things for him. Because you're a new creation in Christ. Amen? Number three, the Lord wants to give us a new mission. When we become new creations, we should have a new mission. We should have a new mission in life. There's a story of Paul and Barnabas in Acts. And, and Paul and Barnabas were, were witnessing to the governor of a town and, and trying, to, trying to win them to the Lord. And there was this sorcerer. And the sorcerer, the Bible says, was interfering with them and trying to keep this governor from being a believer. So look what it says in Acts chapter 13 and verse 9. Excuse me. Saul, listen to this, also known as Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit and he looked the sorcerer in the eye. And I'll just stop right there. He took, I'll, I'll finish it off. He basically rebuked the sorcerer and, and, and told him that God was going to strike him, and God did. But the significance of this is significance of this. For years I read this and didn't see this. Saul, also known as Paul. That's what I want to focus on. See, Luke makes the uh, significant transition from the name Saul, which is a Hebrew name, to Paul, a Greco-Roman name, indicating that Paul was now on a predominantly Gentile mission. See, he, he, he did it right there symbolically that in the book of Acts, you know, he had a different, he had a new mission. Paul had an experience with Jesus on the road to Damascus. He totally went from a Christian hater, a person that was trying to kill Christians and imprison them, where he gets radically saved. And now he's on a brand new mission. So he's no longer Saul, but he's Paul. He gave him a new name and gave him a new mission. So for the rest of the book of Acts, he's called Paul, except when he recounts his conversion. Because we know that as his conversion, he was on a, on, and he was on an extre- extremely different mission, again, which was to eradicate Christians. You know, maybe your mission needs to change from just building your bank account and your business to building the kingdom of God. Maybe it needs to change from just trying to get into a relationship, you know, with the opposite sex. If you're not married or you're not, you're not uh, you know, in a relationship and they desire that. And that's not a bad thing to desire. But sometimes, you know, some, that, that's a one-track mission that people get on. And, and it's good. If you're trying to find your future spouse in the house of God, kudos to you. That's a good place to look. So I'm just encouraging you. But that shouldn't be your only mission, right? So maybe your mission needs to change to, Lord, I'm going to focus on my relationship with you first, and then your will be done when it comes to my relationships, right? And, like, I'm guilty of that when I got saved. Matter of fact, I was talking to somebody about that earlier. When I got saved, every cute girl that was nice to me, I was like, Lord, is she the one? Is she the one? I wanted to get married, right? You know? But the Lord, hey, got a hold of me. It's like, focus on your relationship with me. And then when the one came along, I knew for sure that she was, she was it. Amen? 
Maybe you're already doing something for the Lord, but the Lord wants you to do something different. Maybe you've been doing something, you've been obedient, and that's great. But you know, the Lord has a way to always pull us out of our comfort zones, you know. Like, no, Lord, I'm doing this. I'm, I'm good at this. I've been doing this. I'm gifted at this. And that's great, but the Lord might be like, hey, you can maybe do that, but come do it over here. Or I got something totally different, a totally different mission for you. Or maybe, just maybe, you're not doing anything for the Lord. And your new mission might be to do something. Right? To do something. Like whenever I was a youth pastor, one of my youth leaders uh, told another leader that was stepping down, the season was over, and he said, hey, man, don't do nothing. I know that's a double negative, but you know what he meant. Don't do nothing. He was basically trying to encourage him. If you're not serving in fusion, make sure you're going to be serving somewhere else. Amen? We got to be on mission. Listen, if you're not doing anything, the Lord wants you to join him in the great co-mission. He wants you to team up with him some way, some shape, some form. He wants you to team up with him to co-labor in the harvest fields, to lead people to him, to help people, to be, like I said earlier, be reconciled back to Christ. Are y'all tracking with me all right out there? All right, one more thing I want to share with you. The Lord wants to give you a new outcome, a new outcome in life in general. When we become new creations, all things have passed away. Behold, all things are being, or have been made new. Look at First Chronicles 4, 9 through 10. We pray this often. We pray these verses. But it's interesting. Again, a lot of these had to do with, with these men, these men uh, their names. There was a man named Jabez who was more honorable than any of his brothers. His mother named him Jabez because at birth, because his birth had been so painful. He was the one who prayed to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and expand my territory. Please be with me in all that I do and keep me from all trouble and pain. And God granted him his request. Now, again, back then, it's crazy what people name their children, but because she had so much pain, the word Jabez means pain and distress. That's what she named her child. So, again, every time they said, Jabez, come here, Jabez. They were speaking that over him his whole life. So you would think, man, this man is doomed. Because every time they call him, they're calling him pain and distress. Isn't that crazy? And you got to think to the mom that knew the meaning of this word. Like every time she called her son that, she's probably remembering the pain of her childbirth. You know, I would, I would think, you know, of course I've never had the pain of childbirth. I've watched my wife. But, you know, look, the ladies are like, yeah, but you have no idea. So that doesn't count. I know it doesn't. I would think that you would want to forget the pain and just re- focus on the joy now, right? But for some reason, she named her son Jabez. But guess what? He prayed that God would bless him. And I, think th- I thought this was interesting. He prayed that God would bless him and keep him from pain. And God granted it to him. So listen, your outcome can change. Even though somebody, again, speaks certain things over you, you know what? When you pray and you get in a relationship with God, even though they called him pain and distress, and that would look like was going to be his outcome for the rest of his life, he just simply asked God, Lord, keep me from pain. And the Lord granted him. I love this because you know what? The Lord in one moment canceled out years of what people had been calling him. In one morning, moment, he, God canceled it and said, I'm going to keep you from harm and pain, from this distress of what would people have called you or whatnot? I love this. Jabez went from pain to prosperity. 
And, and I'm not just talking about materially, but all over. You see where it says, I mean, and that whole scripture, man, that, there's a whole sermon right there. And that just those couple of verses I read of what that means symbolically with our authority and, and our blessing and expand my tent pegs and, and all of that. He went from pain to prosperity. It doesn't matter what people have spoken over you all your life. God can change it in an instant. Also, listen, you don't have to live down to what people call you. Are there expectations of you? You know, someone said, man, I can't live up to your expectations. But, you know, too often we live down to people's expectations, right? We live down to the expectations. Look what it says in verse 9. It says that Jabez was more honorable than all of his brothers. So, you know, his expectations, according to what we can see here, were very low, but he didn't live down to them. The Bible says he was a more honorable man than anybody else. I can remember just getting a little taste of this in my life. I can remember, you know, my brother was two years older than me, and he quit high school like his junior year. And I never forget, like, the day that somebody found out my brother was quitting high school, they came up to me and they said, well, are you going to quit high school? Are you going to quit school too? I was like, well, no, I'm, I'm not my brother. That's him. You know, but but immediately they thought like, well, if your brother did it, you're probably going to do it too. And just that alone, thankfully, was enough to drive me that no matter what, I'm graduating high school because I don't want to be like my brother. I don't want him to think that I'm going to follow in that footsteps. So I, I was determined to graduate high school. Now I graduated by the skin of my teeth, but I did graduate because I was, you know, wasn't saved and was a knucklehead back then. So but praise the Lord. Just because people have spoken things over you, or you have all kind of baby dysfunction, addiction, depression, or whatever your family history is, you don't have to settle for that. You can live an honorable life. You can have a new outcome in your life. The end result doesn't have to be the same. Maybe it started the same as your family members. Maybe it's been going the same for a while. But ultimately, you can have a new outcome. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Behold, all old things have passed away. Your old lineage, your old ancestry, your generational line, your bloodline, all that stuff. Just because everybody in your, your, your dad's side of the family was alcoholics don't mean you have to be an alcoholic. You can have a new outcome. Matter of fact, you heard me a couple weeks ago, I think, mention that I've been going minister at a drug uh, recovery center uh, here in Scott. And, um, you know, it was, it was great, man. Again, the Lord just allowed me to, to, to be a part of people getting saved and giving their lives to Christ. And, and afterwards, I was done. I was leaving. I ended up talking to a couple of people, a couple of the staff people. And one of the girls that came out, and this guy was asking me questions. And he was talking about different ways about recovery and stuff. And listen, I, I, right away, again, I've said this all the time. I'm thankful for places like Townsend, like Celebrate Recovery we have here and at the Bayou and different churches. That's great. You know, but he's like, man, but I don't believe in like in, in the steps. And I've said this before. And I, don't, I don't mean to step on no toes. And I know this is maybe it is counteractive to one of the, what some of the step programs teach. But, you know, this guy said, I, I don't believe that, you know, it says that, I'm, you know, I'm a recovering addict and I'll always be an addict. And I said, man, I don't believe that either. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. All things have passed away. Behold, all things are made new. I'm not a pothead no more. I'm not a pillhead no more. I'm not an alcoholic anymore. That old person has died. As we read at the beginning, we died with Christ going into baptism. That's what this is symbolic of. 15 years I hadn't been high or pilled out or drunk. I'm not that anymore. I have a new outcome in my life now. Amen. And so do you. So do you. So don't live under that burden. Don't live under that, under, under what people tell you that your outcome's going to be. Oh, you're just like your daddy. You're just like your mama. No, 
guess what? I have a heavenly father and I'm like him now. I'm being more. I'm becoming more like him. So listen, I just want to encourage you. He wants to give you new life. If you feel like, Brandon, I'm not living this new life. I'm going to share a scripture. Titus 3, 4 through 7 says this. But when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of his grace, he declared us righteous and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. If you don't feel like you live in the new life, the Lord wants to wash away your sins according to this scripture and give you new life. Excuse me. There's nothing you can do to earn it. You can't work your way there. One of the people said that that day. He was like, well, I'm just trying to, you know, I, I want to just basically, you know, clean up my life and so I can really hear God more. I said, man, listen, you can't clean up your life before going to God. It don't work. I tried it for years. You come to God as you are and he'll clean you up. Speaking of fishing, you can't clean fish before you catch them, can you? You got to catch them first. Then you clean them. That's the same with the Lord. He wants, he says, we'll become fishers of men. So listen, if you say, Brandon, I'm not sure about this. Let, let's take a moment to pray. Just bow your head with me right now. If you say, Brandon, I, I'm not sure I'm living this new life you're talking about. I don't know if I have a fresh, a fresh um, start. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm I don't know if, if I've ever been forgiven of my sins. I don't know if, 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 if I'm right with God. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And as Tanya said Sunday, all we need to do is believe and receive. He said, it says, all those that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. That word believe means to trust him. We can't trust in our works or what we do or how many times we come to church. We got to trust Jesus in the finished work of the cross. If you don't mind, every head bowed, every eye closed. Yeah, I know they're coming up here to get ready. Don't look up here. Let's just take a moment. Nobody moving around right now, please. If you say, Brandon, I don't know if I'm right with God. I need to get right with God. I, I need, I, I want, I want a fresh start. I want a new life. I want a, a new start today. I want a new start tonight. I want to make sure I'm right with God. If you say, man, I'm not, you know, it said we'll inherit eternal life. Truth is we're all going to spend eternity somewhere. Some of us are going to be with God. Some of us are going to be separated from God. If you say, Brandon, I'm not sure I'm right with God. And I want a, a new fresh start today. A new life with the Lord. I need to get right with God. I need my sins forgiven. Just, I want you to just slip up your hand. Nobody's looking around right now. I just want to pray for you. I just, I see your hand, ma'am. Anybody else? I see your hand over here. Thank you, Jesus. I see your hand in the middle. Thank you, ma'am. Praise the Lord. I see your hand in the back over here. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? You say, Brandon, I want a fresh start. A new life. I want to inherit eternal life right now. Okay, I see all your hands up. For those of you with your hands up, again, the Bible says if you believe, receive, repent of your sin, then he'll save you. He'll forgive you. So come on, those of you that raised your hand, see your hand in the middle, sir. Thank you. God bless you. Come on, let's all pray together right now. Lord Jesus, Lord, I believe you died on the cross for me. And I, I receive the free gift of salvation. Lord, I confess that I've sinned before you. And I ask that you would forgive me tonight. Lord, I make you my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen and amen. Come on, let's give them a round of applause.
Congratulations for all of you that made that decision. Hey, before you leave tonight, we're gonna, I'm going to take a couple more minutes. I want to explain baptism briefly, and then we're going to baptize. Those of you that just raise your hands, I want you to fill out a card that says, I made a decision. And I want you to uh, fill it out and bring it to the info center after. And listen, and what I'm about to say, if you want to, you can even be baptized tonight. Those of you that just raised your hands. Because we're going to have a baptism real quickly. Why do we get baptized? Well, one, Jesus commanded it. Matthew 28, 18, he says, go into all the world. And, and uh, I've given authority in, in heaven and earth. Therefore, go make disciples and be baptized or baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you are a disciple of Christ tonight, if you just made a decision to give your life to Christ, then you should be baptized out of obedience. You see, just as the Lord was sharing that with us as believers, as I presented the gospel to you, and you, you received Christ tonight, you don't have to wait. We actually have shirts. We have some shorts. Uh, we have towels. Uh, don't have shorts, Pastor Kelly? Yes, yeah, so we have a few. We have sure we got towels you can go home with. Listen, I want to encourage you. If you just raise your hand tonight, you can get baptized. Come up here, talk to Pastor Kelly or Pastor Rob, and, 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 and that's the next step. You see, Jesus, not only is it out of obedience, he tells us to do it. Jesus gave us the example. He himself was baptized by John. Mark 1, 9, it says, one day Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and John baptized him in the Jordan River. Some of these folks in here tonight just got baptized in the Jordan River. Amen? Listen, but Jesus set the example. But you know what? Christian means to be Christ-like. So one of the ways we can be Christ-like is follow the example by being baptized. But you know what's interesting? I was just reading this today. Jesus was not only baptized as an example to us, but to reveal and to proclaim that he is the Son of God. Look at 1 John 5, 6. And Jesus Christ was revealed as God's Son by his baptism in water and by shedding his blood on the cross. Not by water alone, but by water and blood. And the Spirit who is truth confirms it with his testimony. Listen, as Jesus was baptized in water to proclaim that he was the Son of God, we get baptized to proclaim we belong to him. So those of you, you young people that got signed up that are getting baptized, you're proclaiming that I belong to Christ. So whether you're on the list or not, maybe you've been a Christian for a while and you didn't raise your hand and you want to get baptized tonight. I want to encourage you. You can step up. We got clothes. We got towels. We'll baptize you as well. If you've never proclaimed publicly that I belong to Jesus, we want to encourage you to do that tonight. And one last thing, baptism is also symbolic of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and again of us spiritually. Romans 6, 4, I'm going to end it with this scripture. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, we may also live new lives. As we've been talking about the brand new you, see baptism is a picture of what Jesus has done for us. It shows that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again, and that our old self, where we started at tonight, our old self was buried, and we were born again and raised to new life in Jesus. That's symbolic of, of, of baptism. We go in, the old man dies, we come up a brand new person. Amen?